0: This is the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. Each week, Penny shares proven ADHD parenting strategies in her hard-won ADHD mama wisdom. This is not your physician's podcast. Penny discusses the genuine grit of the moment-by-moment peaks and valleys of this special parenthood. She'll lift you up and empower you to help your child and your family thrive. It's time to beat the chaos and challenges of raising a child with ADHD. Team. Here's your host, Penny Williams.
1: Welcome back to the Parenting ADHD podcast. I'm excited to have with me today Susan Stout of Own Beat Athlete. And we're going to talk about what are the common struggles for um, kids with ADHD when it comes to athletics and then strategies and insights to share with coaches, how to work with coaches to be able to. Have our kids participate in sports successfully. Thanks for being here, Susan. I appreciate having you on the podcast. Will you start just by sharing who you are and what you do with the audience?
2: Sure. And, and thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to be here and to connect with your audience. I again, My name is Susan Stout, and I am the founder of the Own Beat Athlete Project, which is it's a project that I've developed to provide athletic coaches really from all um, range of ages and you know, from the rec league up through college coaches to provide them with the understanding and the tools that they need to help their athletes with ADHD thrive and to, to help the coaches understand and know what they're working with and then really help to bring out the strengths in these kids. Um, the, the design of the project is not only to teach the coaches how to manage, you know, cause that, a lot of times that's difficult for them, yeah. but also to recognize that these kids are um, really assets. I mean, they've got fabulous strengths, not just in sports, you know, but in life and those, those things can, they can really be a positive experience for the team. I just briefly, I, I got to this point, I'm a, a former athlete and coach myself and my, my path has been a little bit twisty. I was also a, an elementary middle school teacher and mm-hmm. um, and then went to law school and did some work in the District of Columbia Public Schools representing kids who weren't getting the special education services uh, to which they were entitled. So my, my hands have always been a little bit in education and, and also in sports. And then I became the mom to a child who has both dyslexia and ADHD and... Is very interested in sports. I'd say he gets ninety nine point nine percent of his confidence there, but also has struggled and have seen his coaches struggle to make it a positive experience for him, um, yes. especially as he got older. And so I thought, you know, the project is partly forward thinking. Like oh, I'm the you know the mom with some expertise in this area, and I want to help make this better for kids like my son. And also looking backward to when I was a coach in the eighties and the nineties and thinking, Oh my goodness, you know, all these kids who I thought were being defiant or disruptive or lazy or whatever else, yeah. what, what I didn't know. And so the aim is to help the, the coaches to understand the kids. It's to help the kids you know, to benefit from a better experience and also, um, to help the parents who are often the ones who are the ones who recognize the need and they see their kids struggling, they see the coaches not getting it, and it's a very difficult dynamic um, to sort of know what what to do. So Mm -hmm. that's how I landed here and um, I'm excited to, to chat with you about it.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we have two different experiences with athletics. They either can really boost that self-esteem and self-confidence or when it's a bad fit or it's not going well, they can really kind of shred that self-esteem and self-confidence. And of course, we want um, anything our kids participate in really to boost their self-esteem Um, So I'm really excited to offer parents some insights and strategies to help make it more successful for kids who really are into athletics. Because I think there's a lot of kids who want to participate, but it's not necessarily the right fit all on its own. They need more understanding from coaches or they need a different approach. So um, I think this is going to be so valuable for so many. Do you want to start maybe with... um, the the instances, the struggles that kids have, who have ADHD or learning disabilities with athletics. What do you see as kind of those common struggles?
2: Yes, that that's a really important place to start. Um, although I want to speak to a second for a second to what you just said, um, which is also a really great point that there are kids who. Um, enjoy you know, a lot of kids when they're little they may not end up being athletic it may not end up be their thing but a lot of kids enjoy playing sports when they're young and for kids with ADHD it can be you know you're allowed to run it's a great important training ground for Um, sort of building social skills. There's an adult involved. If that adult is skilled, can help the kids, you know, be a part of the mix. And of course, there's the physical aspect, which can be one of the best ways to combat the challenges of weak executive functioning and, you know, the busy brain. And Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, we all know how if you get up and go for a walk or toss a football or something for 10 minutes in the middle of your day, it will focus your mind and you're in a different place. And it's like, 10 times or hundred times, you know, for these kids um, and for the kids who do take to it, it can provide, you know, a really great place. Hey, you know, I'm not being told to do this or not do that or this, and I'm, I'm really shining here, but even for those kids, it's, it can be really um, shattering to their confidence if the coach doesn't get it. Because even if that's their thing, you know, and that's what I, you know, what I have experienced a lot is, you know, even if the kid loves sports and that's where they otherwise would shine, it can be a really negative experience if the coach doesn't understand. So, and and what I find is that the coaches often have a very basic and often inaccurate understanding of what ADHD looks like. Mm -hmm. It's often limited to the stereotype of a child who they think is a boy who can't sit still and interrupts and can't keep his hands to himself. Um, but really it's a lot of the other characteristics of ADHD, the ones that are sort of if you see the iceberg picture, yeah, the ones that are more underneath uh, the surface that cause just as much, if not more, problem in the the sports environment. And of course, the, the differences are invisible. So, you do you know, if you're in school, you often show up and you have an IEP or you have a 504 or someone is telling the teacher, you know, this is what's going on. But these kids present just like everyone else. And the coaches don't realize that, you know, on average, 10% or, or often more of the kids on their team could be wired this way. So. Yeah. A lot of the things, some of the examples I give of, of how it might show up, you know, if you've got an ADHD athlete who's really sensitive, as many are to criticism, mm-hmm. might totally shut down, just completely shut down or quit the team with a coach who yells, you know, which we yeah. all know is very common in the sports world, sort of the old school. And a lot of these kids, you know, they hear even a, even a softly spoken to redirection can sound to them like yelling. And so if they're actually getting yelled at, that's gonna be a complete non-starter and really damaging to them. Um, A a kid who maybe isn't the kid who can't sit still, but maybe they're quietly distracted, might miss the instructions, and then they can't remember the play or they mess up the Mm -hmm. play. And then, you know, I've seen, there are a lot of coaches, okay, well you messed up, so the whole team has to run laps. You know, and then it feels horrible. a lot of the executive functioning issues with disorganization. You know, they're a teenager who's trying to be responsible for their own stuff. Brings the wrong uniform. Forgets his shoes. Yeah, um, can't play. A lot of the anxiety that often travels with ADHD um, can look like lazy. You know, the kid is mm-hmm. struggling and anxious, and then doesn't go to practice, or you know, wants to sit on the side because he's not sure he can do the drill. And you know, that looks to the coach like not trying. Yeah, Maybe. or
1: they're very flustered and they can't um, follow through even right. though they know how and they usually can. I see that a lot too.
2: Right. And usually can is really important too. the, you know, it's, the performance can be so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And so the coach might see, oh, well, yesterday you could sit there and listen and hear this drill and do it. So why can't you do it today? You must not be trying or you must be you know, being defiant. The, the emotional piece can also be really big, you know, with these kids who struggle to manage their emotions, you know, especially practices often at the end of the day. So medication might be wearing off, you know, there might be a rebound effect from that. They're tired. It's a competitive environment and they just can't, you know, manage either the competition or the frustration. And that can come out as, you know, anything, but, you know, talking back or um, not practicing the greatest sportsmanship. And again, it looks like, Oh, this kid's just being defiant. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that happens in sports, especially at a higher level, this is less so with the, the younger kids, but as you get up to where you're really going to have some goals, you know, the coach might sit down and say, okay, you know, by the end of the year you want to be able to meet this time or do this, get to this level. And, the adhd kids with their executive functioning weaknesses it's really a struggle to yeah. set the goal figure out what the steps are and then follow those steps when you're not going to see the reward for 6 months yeah that that's just you know so many problematic in so many ways and so it, to the extent that the coaches are seeing that again it looks like a kid who's not motivated when in fact they just don't have the tools
1: to mm-hmm. them. yeah um, What about immaturity, too? You know, our kids with ADHD are developmentally delayed in many aspects, so they're often on a team with neurotypical kids who are the same age as far as the calendar goes, Um, but developmentally, there's usually quite a gap.
2: Right, And and that can show up, I find, in two ways. One is with the coach's expectations mm-hmm. of how long are you expected to do this? How long, you know, how are you expected to respond? Um, how, and, and also how much responsibility are you going to take for yourself? You know, you yeah. can try to do your things, remembering what to do. And it also can show up in sort of facilitating the social relationships with the other kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it takes a skilled and understanding adult to help through that. Um, I do find you know some one question that I get a lot is, well, aren't we supposed to treat everybody the same? You no know, isn't mm-hmm. it not isn't it unfair not to treat everyone the same? And you know, kids actually get that they they sort of inherently seem to get get it when a kid is a little different and needs something a little different. Um, they often get it more than adults do and there's a there's a great quote from um Bear Bryant a famous coach who said when i was a young coach i used to say treat everybody alike and then he said that, you know that's bull treat everybody fairly yeah. and what that means is meeting everybody where they are and what they need mm-hmm. and Fair isn't equal that's right and you know that for the coach to be able to figure out that you know one kid might be motivated you know your non-ADHD kid might be motivated by sort of playful banter and you know sort of rough talk but the more sensitive kid might be hurt by that yeah. and you know one kid might be an auditory learner who you can just talk to him and tell him what to do he can get it while another kid might need you to write it down or walk it through um, and another kid might you know one kid might be able to train really hard for a couple of weeks and the other kid might need breaks, you know, just can't mentally do that. So yeah. I think that for coaches to sort of understand my first step, and my just sort of been, if you remember only one thing, it's get to know each kid individually yeah. and yeah. figure out what they need. And, and then I say, you know, the strategies that I will present for working with ADHD kids are also just good coaching. Like, yes, you know, you know it's just, good coaching, to understand everybody, to, um, you know, put these strategies into place, really all kids can can thrive and benefit. You know, it doesn't hurt anybody if you write things on the chalkboard and give reminders, or if you let everybody run four laps before you try to talk to them. And then instead of talking for 30 minutes, you only talk for two, you know? Yeah. Um, So I think there are a lot of ways that coaches can work with these things so here, they, they're often intimidated or not really knowing how to deal with these these behaviors, but there really are a lot of things they can do. Um, the, the, other, the other thing that I always want to add is those are some of the, the, the things that I mentioned before, some of the hidden challenges of how ADHD might present in sports, but I also really want coaches to understand the strengths um, and that. These kids can have a lot of energy and enthusiasm when they're coached well. They, they yeah. also, they can thrive in, in a busy game like basketball or hockey or something. They're used to having very chaotic brains, you know, yeah. sort of being in the middle of five different movies at the same time. And they thrive and can can sort of see through all that in the way, a way that other kids can't. Um, and they also, you know, everybody talks about in sports, getting in the zone and mm-hmm. that's really ADHD hyperfocus. Yeah. There's the percentage of athletes in the NBA who have either have been diagnosed ADHD or people suspect is something like 40%. Wow. So it's, it's just phenomenal. So it really can be, you know, I want people to understand it's not just, you just have to understand the kids figure out what makes them tick, and then it can be a really win-win situation for everybody.
1: Yeah, it requires a real shift of expectations, I think, which is what I talk about with parents as far as parenting. It's what we look for from teachers that our kids have. We want this sort of mindset shift away from kind of traditional expectations, um, you know, just shifting. And again, that's not being unfair it's just giving each child the opportunity to succeed really um you know so many coaches i think go into it with the the approach the expectation that one way you know because games have rules right and so i think they think that um you know, that one way of teaching those rules, teaching um, the strategies should work for everyone. If it doesn't work, then it's not the right sport for the kid. Um, But, you know, we really, I think, uh, my own son included, we tried sports when he was little. We tried um, T-ball, baseball, and we tried soccer, um, swimming. And he just was the obvious outsider, always, he was always the kid that didn't fit. And it became painful. And so we gave up on sports. Um, And I think that they're a real asset for kids who are interested. Um, And I think, you know, so it's the parents who are, understanding more of what we're talking about right now and so how do they take this information then and work with coaches I see the question all the time from parents online um, you know how much do I tell my child's coach Um, you know their expectations aren't really in line with my kid do I tell them they have ADHD what do I share what do I not share so I think that would be great to get your insights on as well
2: yeah and and that is a it's a dance, you know, it's a tricky and it, it varies, um, by kid, by, um, and by sport, by coach. And it's something, you know, when the kids are little, um, let me back up a second. One of the things that I really promote to coaches and to parents is communication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the understanding each kid, and, and I, I have on my website sort a sample template email that coaches could initiate and send out to parents, um, you sort of asking, you know, to all parents asking about the kids, but including questions like this and trying to understand, you know, is there anything about your kid that I need to know? Um, and ideally everyone would do that, but mm-hmm. that's not the norm. You're, mm-hmm. you're going into a situation, you're signing your kid up. It's the first day of practice or before. I always encourage parents of, especially of the kids who are younger when they are doing the, bulk of the communication to touch base with the coach, you know, if they're comfortable doing that. You do also have to talk with your kid, you know, at a certain point at yeah. a certain point, and understand what your kid's comfortable with. You know, I've, a lot of kids are like, Hey, I don't want people to know. I don't want to be that kid. And yeah. then they, then what I recommend to the parents is to, to talk with your kid about it and talk about some of the pros and cons of it. Talk about you know it can be private. The coach, you know, the other kids aren't going to know. The coach isn't going to single you out. You know, you, if you're confident that that's the case, um, and and it really does need to be a partnership because really at some point that's your kid's information. Um, yeah. But I, I, when the parents are comfortable and when the kid is comfortable, what I've tried to create is something that the parents can easily send to the coach and step back out of that conversation a little bit. Um, Of course, having the personal information about that kid because ADHD, like everything else, shows up differently in every individual. But um, I have had a lot of parents say they're so thankful to have just a link to something so they can say to the coach, here's something that would be helpful for you to know about my kid. And they don't have to be involved in a conversation or a lot of times the coach doesn't have time, you know, to stand on the sidelines. There might be a parent coming from work. The the coach is a parent coming from work, getting out of the car, getting the soccer balls, you know, when are you going to have that conversation? And um, one thing that I encourage parents to do too, if they're talking with their kids, I've got a list on my website of 11 tips for coaching athletes with ADHD. And you can show the kids. These are not, the things that you're recommending to the coach are not things that are going to necessarily call attention to you. Um, They won't say, it won't single you out. Some of the things are to get to know the kids really well, you know, meet the kids where they are, emphasize the positive, you know, get kids moving. So it's not like the coach is going to, it's going to affect the, the athlete in a noticeable way. It will simply be understanding you know, an understanding that the coach would have. And you can describe it to your kid as the same way your parents understand or your teachers understand. And then are more able to work with you because they understand how your brain works. And that can sometimes get get the kids over the hump. Um, And I I think also letting, you know, and again, I'm sort of focusing on the, the conversations with the kids, because as I say, especially as they're older, that's almost a conversation that the kid, is going to take over, you know,
1: Yeah, needs this too.
2: this is what works for me. You know, it's really hard for me to remember the workout. You know, when you say a set, I can't remember it. And that's why I'm messing up. And then that's why I'm getting frustrated. Do you think you could write it on a whiteboard or one that comes up and that I, I think is often problematic at, at practices or, you know, or competitions, you know, it's really hard for me when you yell at me in front of the team. You know, like mm-hmm. like when I and I might get upset and I don't mean to yell back. You know, I mean these are conversations that kids and parents often have. You know, I don't mean I'm not, you know, trying to be disrespectful. In that moment, I can't have that conversation. You know, I I'm I will respond much better if we can talk afterwards half an hour later, you know, by ourselves. Yeah. Um yeah. so just little things like that that will Um, help the kids understand this is just going to make it easier. You know, it's going to make it better. And I also, but that's also something that proactively I try to teach the coaches is to say, you know, you are the adult. The best way to manage this is for you not only to have appropriate expectations, but the expectations are not always going to be met. And when they're not, the most productive thing is for you to think about what's happening, take a step back. Don't feel like you have to be, you know, really heavy-handed um, in that moment and set an example and everybody's watching. And so these I, I mention all this because these are some of the things that um, that I think it's 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 very hard for a parent not only to find the time or to have that conversation with a coach, you know, don't yell, don't yell. So yeah. to, to that's what what I'm trying to do is push the information out there in a very non-judgmental way. Um, so the coaches, you know, can read me saying, instead of the parent having to explain, it doesn't work to threaten or punish these kids. You know, they're, they're living in the moment. They're not intending to speak out, think about what's going on and, you know, and address it in a different way. So that, that's how I've really tried to help facilitate the communication between the parents and give them a tool. Um, to use up front. I mean, I always say, do this yeah. up front. You know, don't yeah. wait till there's a problem. <laughs> do it at the beginning of the season when everybody's a little more relaxed and the coach is trying to get to know everybody. And then, if there is a problem, you can always fall back on it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's always better up front um, to work on those things before the coach is getting frustrated. You know, before they've formed an opinion that. Um, it's not right for the child or something like that, you know, and I think that goes back to your point that, um, this is really beneficial for every athlete, not just our kids with ADHD or learning challenges or anxiety. Um, and I think speaking to what you were just talking about, it's really hard to challenge, um, professionals or people who have that sort of authority role like a coach or a teacher you know to say hey I think you should do this differently for my kid a lot of times that's received as a challenge of their expertise um and so I think it's extra hard to have that conversation a lot of times um Especially with the coach who is more into yelling and punishment, and you know, running laps because you didn't catch the fly ball in the outfield or something like that. And um, I see a lot of kids drop out of athletics once they get to that more competitive um age like my own daughter who does not have adhd but she does have anxiety um was very into softball when she was young loved it um always wanted to play you know there we couldn't find softball in our area for um fall and she desperately wanted to just play all the time she loved it and once she got to high school um, she didn't love it anymore because there was a lot of yelling and a lot of punishment. And that really, um, you know, inflamed her anxiety to the point that she couldn't perform well during the game anymore. Um, and we never thought to challenge, um, the, not to challenge the coach, but to even have that discussion. And she would have never done that because she would have been too anxious. But, you know, we we didn't even think that that would be appropriate so I love that we're having this conversation that you know that should be appropriate um, to try to make it work for every kid who wants to play who wants to participate
2: yeah and and I think that it's also a little bit easier um now when some of the professional athletes are starting to speak out you've got you know Kevin Love talking about having a panic attack in the middle of an NBA game, and others talking about um, anxiety and you know ADHD, learning differences, and so the coaches who unfortunately you can't always get their attention with you know what's going on at. At school, or what's going what you're saying at home, but they might listen when they hear that. Oh, in the sports world, you know, in my world, yeah. um, this is a thing. And what I've tried to do, in addition on my side, is mostly through the blog um, to provide some context that makes sense to them. So you don't have to, as a parent, sit there and again, it's a really long sort of technical conversation, but. You know, I can present through the story. I've talked to a couple of a former NFL player and a former NHL player about their struggles and sort of tell the story and how their coaches either did mostly didn't, you know, help them and and how they would are now hoping that other kids can have a different experience. And for coaches who are who want to take the time, can sort of read it at their own pace, but also be put into a context that makes sense and doesn't feel like an attack on them. You know, this is yeah. this is something that it's a coaching tool. They, they get training all the time, you know, in various things that they're either required to by the league or that they're, they want to do for their own personal development. And I want them to see this as another way to become better and enjoy their job more. So that sometimes comes more easily, I think, as a third party training type source than as a a parent who's worried about their own kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's often more well-received that way than coming from the parent. You know, I've, I was told once in an IEP meeting, well, it's obvious you really love your son. That was how they took my input that, you know, I wanted the world for him and I, you know, that it was all coming out of love, but that it wasn't realistic or that I didn't know about the educational world, you know? And so right. often when we then have a professional come in, an advocate or something, or or we give them information that's coming from some sort of expertise, then it's more well-received often. And I think that's just human nature. You know, we're not um, trying to denigrate coaches or teachers or anything. I think it's human nature to feel like you are the authority figure in certain aspects and, um, when that is challenged or when that's even discussed, it feels like a challenge. Um, so I think those are really good tips. And, and I love that you're talking about teaching our kids to advocate for themselves in that, um, environment as they get older, because they really do have to, you know, if they're going to pursue, um, sports in high school definitely in college you know they have to advocate for themselves so i think it's really important to start that very young when our kids are little to have that discussion as well and to you know talk to them about well if you know if this would go differently for you if if you need something different you it's okay to tell your coach hey, I need this written out for me, or I need something different. Um, even when they're, you know, elementary school age, I think that's an important conversation to start having, to start preparing them and giving them those skills.
2: That's Right. And I think that the um, the coaches and and even some of the coaches who are less, you know, some coaches are very interested in how can I help each kid develop you know what are we going to do this year as a team even for the coaches who need a little bit more of a self-interested motivation understanding what you can do for that kid is going to make your practice smoother it's going to make you know everything Mm. flow through smoother with the other kids so even for a kid coach where if you're finding resistance and I, I certainly don't pretend that you won't because there are a lot of old school coaches out there yeah and but to sort of help say, you know, this is what I need. And you you don't, it's up to the kid, especially, you know, as they get older and they're having these conversations themselves. If you're not comfortable talking to your coach about it being ADHD, talk about it as a strength of yours or mm-hmm. weakness of yours or something that's hard for you. You know, it's really yeah. hard for me, it's really hard for me to remember to bring my uniform because I've got to take it to school and this, could I leave it in the office, you know, or whatever it is, you know, that yeah. you need and you don't have to put a label on it you can just know yourself and and ask for for what you need and i think that um the other thing that i think is really useful with coaches and i think also is a reason why it's nice to have not have the parent have to take this on alone as you know me and my kid is a lot of this goes much more smoothly when you can take out the personal element for the coach. I think yeah. on the behavior level a lot of the challenges come when the coach takes the behavior personally. You know, yeah this kid is yelling at me. This kid is doing this because of me or on purpose to get back you know to make me mad um and that's just not the case. And so to the extent that I try to teach the coaches that it's not about you it's about an impulse control or a frustration. This, you're, what you're looking at is a kid who's frustrated and doesn't yet have the skills to deal with that appropriately. Yep. It's not about you. you know? So that's also helpful in the big picture to say, this isn't about you. It's not about something being wrong with your coaching. This is information that you can um, integrate into what you do to become a better coach and to help your kids you know, enjoy themselves more.
1: Yeah and think of all of the athletes that never became star athletes because when they were younger they weren't understood and they gave up you know I think about that all the time and um There's so many athletes, like you said, who are now speaking out about their challenges, maybe ADHD or learning challenges, dyslexia, anxiety, and I think that's going to be so valuable for the entire athletic culture to be more accepting of differences and people who don't quite fit the mold, but still are very much an asset to a team or to a sport,
2: There are a number of them. I've I've got a few videos up on my website of athletes in all kinds of different sports who are talking, you know, both about what might have been hard for them, but really about what, how their ADHD was an asset, and that is something Mm -hmm. that I, I really wanted the coaches to see too. There's one who is an Olympic rower, and he's like, "Look, you've got, you know, eight guys in the boat. Everybody's got a different strength." Mine. I was energetic. I kept everybody going when they were tired. You know, someone else probably helped us to keep in the routine or to you know do something else. So you know, even in a team sport, to say, "Hey, look, everybody's got something different that they're bringing to this, and um, this is who I am, and these are the things that are hard for me. But if you help me with those, I can really help you with some other things." Um, Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think too we should talk about the fact that. People with ADHD are often late bloomers. So a child may not look like they're really a star um, at their sport. They may come into it really late if you stick with it. Um, A story comes to mind of Andres Torres, who was a professional baseball player. He was with the San Francisco Giants several years ago. And um, there was actually a documentary filmmaker who was making um, a film about his journey um, to becoming a professional athlete with ADHD. And he came into the sport very late for the sport, um, but was really successful when he got there. And he was just determined that he was going to play baseball. You know, he was just determined that that was his thing and he was going to make it happen. And, um, And he did. He didn't give up. And no one around him gave up and that was what was so important was that he wasn't given the messages that it just wasn't right for him and he should do something different and he was you know a very late bloomer to the sport but then was so great um, once he got there and I think that's a really good reminder for parents that while your kid is very little um They could look like they absolutely do not fit, that it's absolutely not the right fit. But it could be at some point, if they're super interested in it, to to find ways to keep going, if at all possible.
2: That's a great point, and especially in today's culture where, unfortunately, people are encouraged to, you know, start their kids when they're three and specialize Mm -hmm. by the time you're five. And if you're not good by the time you're seven, you should probably hang up your cleats. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, if you look at not only a lot of professional athletes who are, um, quite successful, didn't bloom until later, but even just sort of your regular high school age athlete, um, that's where so much brain um, development takes place, especially with ADHD kids in that age group, you know, yeah. when you're looking at, okay, oh my gosh, my kid was 11 and he just, there was no way, like he just couldn't handle that practice. Don't give up. Like, don't do, you know, do your best to keep your kid involved if they want to be to yeah. the point, to the point where they can bloom. Know if they're they're going to later, that there is a lot of not just physical growth, but so much, especially for these kids, emotional and developmental growth is just going to make the whole thing easier, like it's going to make you know other things in life easier. And there is so much emphasis now on, well, if you know if you don't do it when you're young, you're never going to amount to anything. And I think that's it's so harmful for all kids and especially for for kids with
1: ADHD. Um, yeah, and I think it's really important to stress if your kid is interested. You know, we, we we don't wanna raise quitters. And so I think sometimes we stick with things that just really aren't right, that are, that are detrimental to our kids, to their self-esteem or their emotional health um, because we don't want them to think that they can just quit. And you have to find that balance you have to be you know challenge them to stick with something when they want to participate when it's um, a healthy situation but to also know when it's just not right and to not keep pushing um, until there's damage done
2: that's that's right and you know i'll say actually in our family we've done both we've stuck with something because it we you know it was not fun, but it was not harmful. You know, we could right. that. and then we stopped in the middle of season when it was harmful. And that's yep. a discussion with with you know the parents and the kids and figuring out, you know, in that particular situation what feels right in your gut. And the parents will usually know, you know, again, depending on the age of the kid, the kid may or may not be in a position to make an accurate assessment of that. And it might start with, okay, this isn't a good situation. Let's see what I can do with the coach. Let's see what I can do. You know, could I make this better? Could the coach be educated? Sometimes, especially within the span of a season, that might not happen. And if it doesn't happen and your kid is struggling, I mean, things parents know, the things that you, the signs you see when your kid is anxious, overwhelmed, and it's not healthy, you know, if you're getting a ton of resistance about, practice, stomach aches, can't sleep, crying you know, all of those things, then you have to think about what you're doing. And, you know, a lot of this education that I'm trying to promote with coaches, it can be depending on the coach, you know, can make a huge difference that season, or maybe it won't sink in for two years, you know, until, um, and so that's, it is always a balance. And I think the parents, um, just need to 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 know in their gut that it is okay sometimes to quit. Yeah. You know, that's what yeah. what you're also teaching your kid is that they can look at a situation, see if it's healthy and make an appropriate decision about it. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, you're kind of teaching self-advocacy. You're showing them how to determine if something is right for them, if it's worth pursuing further or if it's something that they just need to change make a change for themselves Um, such good information and encouragement Um, i love that you are working to help kids like ours to be able to participate and succeed in stuff that sometimes we assume that they just can't that we assume might not be a good fit or that we shouldn't even try Um, i love to see athletes who have challenges and who have used sport to help them to thrive. You know, that's, that's, that's our goal for our kids is to find that thing that helps them thrive, that keeps them going, that builds their confidence and competence and, um, So everybody who is listening can go to your website, ownbeatathlete.com and get all of these tools and information that Susan has shared as well. You can get the show notes at parentingadhdandautism.com slash 063 for episode 63. And once again, I really appreciate you being here, Susan. And I know that so many parents and, and their kids are really going to benefit from your insights and strategies.
2: Well, well, thank you. I've, I've really enjoyed our conversation and I, I so appreciate everything that, that you're doing with your work for the community too. So thank, well, thank
1: you. you. And with that, we will, in this episode, I will see everyone next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Parenting ADHD podcast. If you connected with this episode, please share it on social media. Be sure to visit parentingadhdandautism.com to join the conversation and take advantage of Penny's online courses and summits, retreats, parent coaching, and fantastic bonus content.